take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I am Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Couple Synergy. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, or send us any suggestions on, on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. Uh, on today's episode, we were talking, we were going to talk about um, resilience, right? And specifically creating resilience within your marriage, within your relationship, and within your family, okay, with kids. My favorite definition of resilience is the ability to come back to your original shape after you've been squeezed. You yeah. know, like memory foam? Right. Right? Right. You know, I looked up the definition of, of resilience. Let me see here. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, resilience refers to the ability to bounce back from adversity, challenges, or setbacks. It's the capacity to adapt, cope, and recover in the face of stress, trauma, or difficult situations. Yes. Resilient individuals are able to maintain their well-being, emotional balance, and functioning even when facing significant difficulties. You know, what's interesting is when we feel good, I never hear people say, boy, I feel so good. I'm the only one. <laughs> right. But when people are going through adversity, they think they're the only ones. Or I'm the only one that has ever suffered like this on this planet. Yeah. And it's really amazing. I wonder what it is about the human mechanism that we feel that way. We feel so alone when we go through difficulty or adversity or we feel punished or we feel like something we did is wrong and that's why this is happening. Or, or we feel like a victim, which right. is even worse. Right. Right. And, you know, it's it's very I, I mean, I, I wanted to talk about this topic because it's it's so apropos as to how how things are, are going about these days. Well, right? you saw that article. I, I saw an article and it was um, from an air marshal. An air marshal wrote was was interviewed, and he was being interviewed because there has been an increase in uh, unruly passengers um, over the last you know few years or so, and it has increased uh, by forty five percent as far as how many wow. unruly passengers there are oh, and oh, oh. being. You know, having to be taken off of planes, mm -hmm. you know, planes being diverted because this, the passenger has to be arrested and taken off. So, you know, he was commenting on why um, there has been this increase. And one of the factors was the fact that um, a lot of the airlines have gone to no frills. Yeah. Right. So it's just kind of bare bones and 
it, it, there's there's very little customer service going on right, right. now. Yep. Um, you said that a lot of the good flight attendants and crew, they lost their jobs or you know over COVID and and then what happened was that they brought on these new employees that aren't really attuned to customer service. And you know, so that's one, that's number one factor. Mm -hmm. the, the second factor that he brought up was the fact that there is this selfish uh, entitlement that is just widespread across the board of all people. Yep. Just in our society today, it just seems to be just growing and increasing where people feeling this need that I'm entitled to the best treatment or I'm entitled to this or that. And, and so because of that, and you combine the two, you've got people that are pretty angry, right? Like this isn't like a, in the past, it would be someone that was like an unstable character. Yeah. This is like general people now. And it's interesting. Those two, factors one is uh being shown some loveliness and and an environment that is calming and caring mm -hmm. and two the idea that i'm special and i deserve special treatment yeah and if something doesn't happen exactly the way i want to then the world should change mm -hmm. and both of those things don't lead to happiness. They don't lead to feeling good in the world. What, what leads to feeling good in the world is taking care of each other. Not what can I get, but what can I give? Mm -hmm. And we notice this a lot in families that are over accommodating out of guilt or something to take care of their kids. So, you know, one of the greatest places to learn resilience is the dinner table. <laughs> you know, at the dinner table, you are, if you follow the rules of dinner table, right? You should wait till everyone's seated. You should wait till everyone is served before, before you start, start eating. eating. Yeah. You should ask to be excused. You participate in the conversation, but more often than not, kids are being fed first. Mm -hmm. They're being fed exactly what they want. If they don't like it, they're getting something else instead of the family sitting down. This is what's for dinner. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. And then you, that's where we learn that resilience. That's where we learn that thoughtfulness of is everybody sitting down? Is everybody else taken care of instead of just me? And I think it came from a good place. It's just creating this kind of entitlement that is more epidemic than we've ever seen. Yeah, it, it truly is. And you know, what you're talking about is teaching your kids that resilience by delaying gratification and learning to be polite, you know, and learning about respect, not only respect for yourself, but respect for everyone else as well. The problem with that is that someone has to teach it. Right. And a lot of the adults, they don't, follow those rules they don't you know they're they don't they're not respectful in that way and so how can they teach their kids they're not even role modeling right how yeah. to do that mm -hmm. you know and so it it is it's generational now mm -hmm. it's being passed on generation to generation you know I, I just think about 
the some of the subtle lessons that COVID has taught our society. Yeah, yeah. You know, just this um, social distancing. Let's just keep, you know, let's just talk about that social distancing. You know, in in Europe and around the world, the the distance that we stand apart from another person is much closer than in the United States, right? In the United States, we have this little bit more distance is, is more comfortable for us. Well, I mean, COVID, it pushed that distance even more further out. Right. But then you're on an airplane and you're sitting next to someone and probably touching them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you're not, you don't have that resilience in you, especially if you have all that fear. Right. And fear is a big factor too, that we see where people are afraid to try new things. Mm -hmm. They're afraid to risk something. They, they have projected worst case scenarios onto everything that they, that is in the unknown. And so they keep their lives very uh, predictable. And then if your life is predictable and anything happens like weather or something that is going to mess up your plans, it, it's like blows your mind. Like you can't respond to that and say, okay, well let's just change the plan. Right. Which is what resilience does. Resilience says, Oh, the road is blocked over here. Let me find another path. But be flexible, be able to pivot, be able to deal with adversity and challenges. I and mean, that's kind of what the whole definition of resilience is, right? Is that there are going to be setbacks in life. You, things are not going to go according to plan. What? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you are going to have to change any routine that you have to accommodate some something that a challenge is going to come along the way. The problem with that is that there's so much anxiety. There's, there's so much of this need for, for control that when these setbacks happen, people are losing their minds. Yeah. They, they just have, they have lost control of something. And that, they're so fearful that they really think right. something bad's going to happen. You know, the cool thing is, is when you start looking for the alternative path, you find a better one every single time. What you think in your head is the right way to do something or the only way to do something and that it should go according to plan, <laughs> plans. <laughs> it, it always comes out better if the plan fails. Yeah. It always becomes at least at the very least an opportunity to find out what you're made of. Worst case scenario, you don't get what you want, but you learn about yourself. But typically you get something even better. And that's another thing that's different in our culture. We don't have room for something bigger than ourselves. Mm. The Whatever you want to call that source or God or, or the universe or even luck or, or synchronicity or any of those things that... Right sort of just happen from an, a place that isn't internal. It's out there somewhere. And there's a wisdom out there that knows way better than us. Well, the problem with that is that if you don't believe in something greater than yourself, mm -hmm. then you become very egocentric. Well, you're the best then. Then I'm, if there's I am nothing greater everything. than me, then I'm the greatest. Right. Exactly. I'm and I'm greater than you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, and then we see that how that plays out in relationships. Yeah. Right. Is that if I think that I am 
the best and that I am right all the time, well, then I have no room for a partner. You have no room for being compassionate. You have no room for empathy. You have no room for understanding. Mm -hmm. And you have no room in your heart. Your heart shuts down in order to do that in your head. That's a head thought Yeah, that I'm the greatest and that I know the best and, and you're the one that's the problem and you're wrong. Yeah. And it's a very difficult thing for um, kids now to move into how to have that peer to peer relationship mm -hmm. because as children, they're being told they're the best and, and they don't have friends going, no, you're not. I can beat you at this and I can beat you at that because everything's very controlled in their worlds. Uh, totally. And you know, that is, it, it's so systemic now. It's so widespread. People are, are teaching their kids how to be that way. Yeah. Is that I am the center. Mm -hmm. And so now instead of parents teaching their kids resilience and how to delay that gratification, they are teaching them that their needs are a priority and they need to be taken care of right now. And more important than anyone else. And more important than and anyone And they don't else. have to wait. And if anyone else needs something, doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, you know, this is the, <laughs> unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be heading in a better direction. It seems to be getting worse. Yeah. And the cost of it is anxiety and depression. Yeah. And the anxiety and depression that we feel today is not the chemical imbalance. Uh, sorry, some people are joining us We've right got... now. They're not, it, it isn't the stuff that is um, pathology. Right. It's a spiritual depression. It's a spiritual anxiety that's really telling us we're not living our lives in accordance with our own integrity. And so we, when we feel that discomfort, we don't go, okay, what do I need to do? We feel that discomfort and say, what does out there need to do? And out there doesn't care. <laughs> it, it really doesn't. Because out there is saying, what are you doing for me? So it's this, again, an egocentric type of society where it's like, what's in it for me? Yep. And when a, when a relationship echoes that, it is then all about competition. Yes. My needs, right? You are not meeting my needs. And you never, you know, it just makes me think of that, that um, story that of, of uh, uh, St. Michael brings um, this guy, this guy wants to see heaven and hell. Yeah. Right. Wants to see what it looks like. And he goes down into hell. It takes him down in hell. And he walks into this room, which has got this huge banquet table. And all these people are sitting around this banquet table. And there's so much food on the table. But everyone around the table is starving. They're all emaciated, right? And they have these long forks. Hey, come on in. <laughs> so um, they have this, they, they have these long forks and they're sitting around the table and he sees that 
the reason why they're all emaciated and everything is they're taking these forks and they're stabbing the food and they're trying to feed themselves. And the forks are too long. They can't get it in their mouth. Right. Mm -hmm. And then St. Michael takes him up to uh, heaven. And in heaven, he walks into the same similar room, huge banquet table, all this food, and all these people are surrounded the, the table, and they're happy and they're well fed. And he sees they have they all have these same long forks, right? And then he sees the reason why they're happy and well fed is they're taking the forks, they're stabbing the food, and they're feeding the person across the table. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in that example there, you think about it is in a relationship, it's only healthy if you are feeding your partner, right? Right. There's no, there's no us if it's I'm more important. If I'm the greatest, mm -hmm. then you can't be. Right. And there's no space for us because why would I want to be an us with someone I'm better than? Yeah. So we have some special guests today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you guys might Hi. recognize their voices, Aaron and Manya. Thanks oh, yeah. for joining us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're here and visiting us in, in Colorado. And then you just got back from a bike ride. Is that what you guys did? Yeah, I went around the reservoir and boys were swimming and, and ended up taking a lot longer to get things loaded back up into the truck. <laughs> <laughs> that's always the way it is, especially here. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. We were just talking about plans and how when plans go wrong, we can freak out and hate it and think it's not fair. And why is this happening to me and feel like a victim? Or we can go, okay, where's the next path? Where's the, the correction of that? And in my experience, it's usually better. How about for you guys? The, the outcome, yeah. whatever happens that you weren't planning on ends up kind of either being a life lesson that you learn about yourself or something even better than you planned. Most most of our plans seem to be more like guidelines than uh, anything else. <laughs> <laughs> We're not big planned people anyhow, but I will say, I think I'm coming into uh, a new ability to feel that it's really your perspective all day. Everything that you're doing, it's kind of how you are able to look at it and feel about it and, um, yeah, that's, but that's new. I haven't always been able to be that way, but it's helped a lot when things do have to change and our life does change like all the time. We're very, uh, roll with the punches is kind of the lifestyle we've had to have, uh, because of the industry that we work in, but also just who we are. But so as parents of a nine-year-old and seven-year-old, how do you teach that to your kids? How do you teach that flexibility and that resilience when things don't go the way you want or the way you thought they were going to? I mean, I think the big key is just lead by example. That's what we definitely do that. But it, it is hard because we got with the two kids, what works with one doesn't work with the other, of course. So trying to figure out what, so one book on parenting isn't going to work for all children. <laughs> <laughs> what? Only if you throw at them, then it works for all the kids. And even this, even the same thing that works with one kid three months ago, you know, they're like always changing and growing. And sometimes you think you got it 
you got it. Okay, we're in. We're like grooving, and then something, some other new challenge comes up. And well, this trip's been amazing. I think we had some really big breakthroughs with the kids, actually. So that's been super special. So talk a little bit about your trip, so people know why you guys are sitting here in the saloon in Colorado. <laughs> well, mainly because you guys were nice enough to take us in on our weary ways. But <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm from Colorado and my family's here. And even today, it was like, ah, oh, fulfilling. It's been really, I never dreamed that I would be raising a family not in Colorado. Um, and so that's something that I've had to like find, uh, find the perspective of like, things just didn't work out how I thought they would, but they're like a million times more amazing than I ever that's what dreamed. I'm <laughs> and, but I even like today getting to still keep the pieces that were important, like mountain biking with my family in the mountains. Like I still got to do that today. Like something mm. that it, at the beginning didn't was like, Oh no, you know, it, it's not going to work out all these things, but it's like, if you keep, um, you know, if you keep the things that are really important to you that you do want to happen, they, they can, or at least in, my experience, they totally can and will happen. I can have, we can have it all. It's just not maybe how you think. Yeah, it's, that is such an important thing. And it's, it's kind of nice to have perspective of parents that have younger kids because ours are grown. We're, pre we're pretty far from that now. Yeah. But it's such a journey. And even like when you have a child that's born and you're like, oh my God, this is my life. But then like six months later, this is my life. And 12 months later, this is my life. And we try to make all these decisions like, okay, we're going to stay home or put them in daycare or go to this school or that. And it all evolves way outside of it. And like you were saying, the kids change. And you know, that's one great thing we can learn from kids is it's okay to melt down sometimes. It's okay to say, you know what, I've reached this thing. And I think that is part of our our way of coping. Yeah. It, it's, and then to grieve that and mm -hmm. find the next path. It, it's okay to melt down sometimes, mm -hmm. but just that, not as an inconvenience to other people. <laughs> right. But it, it doesn't mean that, Oh, now I get my way. Right. Right. Because I mean, that's when, when we're talking about resilience, you know, which is kind of the, the center topic that we're talking about today is, you know, it, this society has gotten to the point that they're so egocentric and it's like, I want what I want now right when i want it and you know, we were talking about this yesterday is that how many people are being pulled off of planes now because you know they're unruly and they're you know starting fights and things like that and and it's just this sentiment throughout our, our society that's growing more where people are not resilient they are not able to deal with tough challenges and setbacks you know when plans don't go the way you want it to well, you don't have a meltdown and demand that it go your way, right? You have to learn how to pivot. And you guys are talking about your industry and you have to pivot a lot, I imagine. Yeah, I guess we never fully answered your question of like how we ended up here. Mm -hmm. was our union went on strike. And um, so what do you guys do for a living? Uh, we're both stunt personnel. We were do stunts for film and television. So like I said dying wasn't much of a living. I guess they were wrong. <laughs> uh, no it's been great it's been a wonderful time but with the business it's pretty fickle so uh there was a writer's strike and then the screen actors guild that's our union mm -hmm. we're on strike so work's kind of hit a wall and we're like let's 
pivot take a road trip and, <laughs> and, and try to enjoy the time while we can so that's how we ended up out here there's so many things i want to can i circle back it's i'm normally the chatter i'm trying to give space for aaron to talk he's very quiet he's doing a good job but okay about meltdowns because i do think there's like two different like this cultural space to have an emotional meltdown that will turn into something positive is one thing but then also there and kids kids learn that very quickly when you have a meltdown there's like power in that because people react to it in a certain mm -hmm. way i actually think in some spaces uh i was raised to be able to have a lot of emotions and people were able i could have a meltdown and people wouldn't uh try to fix me mm. or be like oh you know what do you need you're you're not okay you're not okay no it was like they would just let me cry and i would like do a thing and and uh usually come through it that i think some people if they knew how to do that more like a positive emotional release but then there's also this other side of even just getting frustrated on a plane that you know it's like mm -hmm. um i don't know i just had to wanted to circle back to that one well if you think about resilience in your physical body that means that the more disciplined you are the more resilience you're going to have the more you consistently work out the more you uh sleep and eat the way that your body needs the healthier you'll be well, our emotional body isn't any different. We don't really have emotional discipline. So we don't know what to do when we have big emotions and how to contain and how to move through them. So find our shape again, right? That's what resilience is, is finding your shape mm -hmm. back to where you were. And I, I think people don't know their shape, their emotional shape, mm -hmm. their emotional selves very well. And so it's almost kind of like shocking. And, you know, there's a lot of studies that have shown that people are living in a constant state of shock for sure mm -hmm. right I, everyone's almost like having a traumatic response to yeah. life mm -hmm. right and yeah we were talking about COVID earlier and just how what COVID has kind of taught our society right is is a lot of fear you know and and fear-based type of thinking and a fear-based approach and so you see that filter down into relationships and into, you know, what parents are teaching their kids, you know, kids, they, a lot of kids grew up with masks and knowing masks is a normal thing and staying away from people, you know, versus going up and hugging your grandparent, right? Well, don't hug your grandparent because you're going to give them COVID or, you know, and, and so this underlying fear that is being promoted and being spread worldwide is, I, I don't know what the, the long-term ramifications are for that. Not good. I, I couldn't see it as being good, you know, unless there's something that we can learn from it to be able to swing back. A tipping point. A tipping point where mm -hmm. we are now able to actually learn how to have a connection that is genuine. Right. And that's real. And it's not focused on external things. Yeah. I was thinking back to, you know, the messages that we get in life. And, you know, when I was a kid, if someone was bugging me, I was told to ignore it. And it's not a lovely thing to hear, but at least it's something I had the power to do mm. as opposed to, all right, let, well, I'm going to come out there and I'm going to fix this other person. So they stop making you uncomfortable. 
And that is part of that resilience of what do I have the power to do in a situation? Because you only have power to control yourself, not another person. And that's a really, that's not being taught so much anymore. No, no, not at all. No. And, you know, one of the things that, that in the definition of resilience is it talks about how to teach that in your children. And one of the ways is role modeling. Right. And, and I imagine if your kids are watching you be set on fire multiple times, <laughs> you, you would, <laughs> they would learn about, you know, being resilient and being able to deal with difficult situations That's or, fair even, you know, just doing all of the acrobatic and stunt work that the two of you do, it takes a lot of stamina to be able to do something like that. I think sometimes uh, because our kids don't know any different, it's hard for us to like have a perspective on how all those things of just watching people be uh, lit on fire at our house all the time and, <laughs> you know, thrown through there and fight season, how that, I think they are, I can see them as they're getting older, starting to understand the mental strength of like doing something that you're afraid of, but doing it in a safe way that can help you, um, you know, it's kind of the rush we're always chasing. Yeah, it, resilience is hard to, especially as a parent, if you want to teach that, you can, you know, how do you do that? There's no like set roadmap, especially because every person's so different. So trying to figure that out has been challenging for sure. But I think we do often push them outside of their comfort zone as much as possible. And that seems to make a pretty, pretty good difference. Uh, but with both of our two kids, one of them, he gets a lot more, um, what's the best way to explain that one? He gets derailed off of his focus pretty easily and lets the emotions take over. Mm -hmm. Whether, you know, if he, like just recently, he wiped out on his bike. Today? And, no. Okay. Not, not again. <laughs> this is just uh, last week, I guess it was. And, and uh, so he wipes out on his bike and. I look at him and he's he's okay he's got a little road rash but you know i'm like okay let's let's go and uh he was just so mad <laughs> he was just hate pedaling you know and <laughs> what not paying attention and being mad and just, you know only focused on what went wrong and then he wiped out again oh yeah and uh and this time it was just me and him there and i didn't say a word i'm just looking at him and he gets up he already knew the answer <laughs> starts going trying to talk to him and i wasn't working out trying to give him a little space give him the time to recover but mm -hmm. so that was a big learning lesson for him and then we stopped again and we had to, we ended up having to circle back on it a couple hours later and mm. had a nice chat with them and talking about the mental toughness and and you know just trying to figure out how to get through to him and funny enough though like talked with them and, and I even asked them like, well, what's the way for me to help you when something like that happens? How do we turn that yeah. around? And didn't really have much of an answer. He was like, I don't know, maybe give me some space. I'm like, okay. And um, so the next day he got in trouble fighting with his brother again and he gets his iPad taken away and he's all emotionally distraught about that. And I looked <laughs> at him and I was like, Hey, come here. And I'm like, remember what we talked about yesterday? And 
he started thinking about it and I'm like, what you're doing right now, is that going to help you get what you want or is that going to hurt you? And he started thinking about it thinking about it. I'm like, all right, well, what can you do? And then he started doing chores and started helping out. He turned his attitude around. Not only did he end up getting it back, but he did chores for his grandma and he ended up getting some money too. And he was all pumped up about it and, mm. and he started to get it. So that was a huge breakthrough moment. It was awesome. And he still gets on a bike. Yep. He didn't, he didn't wipe ride. out today. We yep. Because <laughs> that's, that's the thing, you know, we'll be like, well, you got hurt there. So let's not go there anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's how we lose resilience. That's really awesome. That's a great example. Only bad part was is as soon as he wiped out, he he started the way he was acting. I he he started a you know f this f that type mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to hey, and I made him do push-ups. So before I could even check him out to see if he's okay, he's getting yelled at. He's doing push-ups, <laughs> and he's getting back on his bike. <laughs> uh, I had to kind of go that way first, so that was which is unfortunate. You don't want to have to go well, or not because yeah. that's one way to get grounded, right? Mm -hmm. He was unglued, mostly dysregulated. And the, that rhythmic push-up type of stuff is probably helpful to regulating him. Our, our dogs were like that this morning. They were just, they crazed. would not listen. At, they were crazed. And, <laughs> and, and they need that. They need us to like grab them and be like, stop. Yeah. It's something in us that just sort of takes down. over. Well, yeah, they, they can't self-regulate. It's mm -hmm. like the throttle's stuck open, right? Yeah. So you mm -hmm. need to like put the brakes on them and kids aren't any different right they get all wound up with their emotions and there's they're learning they they have to learn how to regulate their emotions because they're going to run into tough and difficult things in life mm -hmm. right and i mean the way you handled it was having that conversation with him processing it with him asking him you know what is it that i could do that'd be helpful next time i mean that's typically Parents really don't have conversations like that with their kids. It's usually the do the push-ups, you get punished, but then there isn't processing after. Or the opposite. Come here, I'm gonna cuddle you. Or the opposite, right? And I'm protect gonna you from fix it again. This problem yeah. for you mm -hmm. versus you figuring out how to fix it yourself. Right. And that's kind of what you're talking about, Money, is that you were allowed to have the emotions, which is great, right? Because we have to be able to express emotions. But no one came and fixed things for you. They didn't come and bulldozer, you know, every all the obstacles away from you. The the push-ups have been we, we tried everything before that, actually. We tried the timeout, we tried the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And the timeout stuff seemed to almost make it worse because it just they stayed mad longer. Right. And then with that, you know, usually they're fighting together. It was just like, hey, you know. We've had talks about it and we do mm -hmm. push-ups together as a family anyway. It's not a big deal. We just, <laughs> hey, they do it. They they look at each other and do the push-ups super angrily and, <laughs> and then they, they get up and it's over. It's done. They don't yeah. come back to it as opposed to a timeout where they storm into the room and they slam the door and then they're throwing stuff and around. They're just and, thinking about it. And, yeah. Yeah. There's no outcome that it just didn't seem to work very well mm -hmm. they definitely do their push-ups better for you than they do for me <laughs> that's what else is very interesting to see is things that aaron does to help them turn their emotional state around doesn't always work when i try to get them to do that and vice versa because everyone's also so different with their mom than they are with their dad and i i think your mom i feel like you're 
is like always that person that you kind of can be the most emotionally vulnerable with or a little innately mm -hmm. um, that I want to be able to hold space for that more than <laughs> Aaron can because we're, we're a good team that way. But also, so, and sometimes that works. Sometimes I, I, I like just go to your room, take a break and don't, you know, when you're ready to, when you've turned it around, come back down and that does work for me and them sometimes because if i'm like do push-ups they're like no i don't want it you know it, it's different when aaron Crippen tells you to do push-ups than when i tell you to do push-ups it's a good combination <laughs> for sure yes being a military person you know that that's a big part of basic training right is they do all sorts of things to irritate you and you can't do nothing about it and you just gotta sit and take it and if you do do something about it, everyone gets in trouble and it's 10 times worse. And so you learn that emotional regulation and that that resilience in, in the strength and the power of your thinking and your and your uh, restriction to just emoting your dysregulation, you know, and meditation does the same thing. And, you know, meditation simply means being an observer of yourself and it can be in motion. It can be in silence. It can be moving or sitting and we don't do enough of that type of reflection stuff where we come back and and really sit in something like why am i so irritated right now or why am i so what does this thing happen like like when you're mad everything goes worse <laughs> and you fall down again right <laughs> it's, just, it's like when you're mad you you ask yourself a lot of questions in your head that, that don't help with that yeah you know your thinking is so off when you're mad mm -hmm. you know that physical the physical shift the shift from uh anger to focusing on something physical um it, it's our brain and our emotions work that way right that we can't shift from a very powerful emotion to being happy it just it doesn't work that way right and so you know, like when we're talking about uh, like, like, let's use panic disorder as as an example. If someone is in a full panic attack, you can't talk yourself out of it. It, it is a physiological uh, experience. Right. And so because of that, they need something physical in order to kind of shift gears. Right. So if someone is in a panic attack, we'll make them do 25 jumping jacks. You know, we'll say, hey, you know, run in place really, really fast. And what that does is it it takes it kind of hijacks their their breathing, the respiration, their heart rate, and everything, which is focused on the panic right now. Now it focuses on collectivity, so then it causes them to start to calm down. Yeah, because right. you push it up, and then they have to recover from it. Right. Yeah. Right. So you know, with your kids, yeah, timeout doesn't work that way because they're just sitting there feeling the anger. It's a physiological experience now i like that and maybe jumping jacks will be my thing he'll yeah. be mr push-up and i'll be jumping jacks i think <laughs> that might go. work right so you know that's that's why that that works very well you know for kids and um i don't know i mean i don't think parents do that enough i thought one of the words you used was really interesting the word attitude and attitude has something to do with direction right which attitude are you at that where you're moving yeah and our attitude is like, what direction do I want to take? Where do I have control or not control? And, and it is that act of giving. He started 
giving. He started being helpful and useful. That helped him shift back into I belong and people care about me and I can care about them, which is, you know, we were talking about that earlier. That's what's the richness of being a human being is what do I have to offer, which I have control mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. I have no control over what can I get? Mm -hmm. What can I receive? Mm -hmm. And so if you are in a place where you feel a, a poor attitude <laughs> <laughs> or, or anxiety or entitlement or that start looking around because when you're in that place, you can only see yourself and not clearly. And you think nobody else is going through anything, but I promise you everybody else is going through something. Yeah, absolutely. That's, mm -hmm. that's what life is about. Yeah. Right. It wouldn't be much fun if it went all our way every time. Right. We have to have the falling down in order for us to be able to, to get back up. Yeah. You can't grow without it. It seems like, too, if you're open, I don't know where to start with this whole sentence here. I should have thought of that before I started talking. But <laughs> um, there's a lot of different types of resilience, you know, whether it's mental strength and resilience with that or, mm -hmm. or physical or I know they're all kind of connected. But with, uh, with the two boys, it's like one of them kind of understands the game of it. Like if he sees, you know, oh, if he gets in trouble, we're taking this away. He he kind of can be like, I don't need it anyway. And just he knows how to like. <laughs> you're just like, oh, he, but it, it's kind of it, I don't. It's interesting. Like I haven't figured out the best formula for like if you were if you wanted to how to teach resilience. Like I don't still don't know the exact answer. I guess is what I'm trying to say. One, uh trick and piece that's been nice uh that kind of um about how you're saying when someone has a panic you know they can't mm -hmm. you can't go from feeling terrible to amazing but just how can you take a thought and a feeling and emotion and just make it a little bit better mm -hmm. a little bit better hey i'm like having a having a hard day feeling like uh about the stuff i have to get done but how can i just be like just turn it around just a little bit at least i can do these things and am able to you know some people can't even get out the door and go to the grocery store for all kinds of reasons um, in a way that has really helped me just a little bit better, a little bit better. It's not like this, oh, everything's amazing. It's wonderful. And I'm like connected to my truest, highest spirit at every moment of the day. But like in the moments of when I am like feeling judgmental and, and not good enough and all the things, how can I just take that thought and make it a little better, make it a little better and, and trying to... Uh, talk to Colt about that just a little bit better, a little bit better. Cause he goes, he uh, can go in a super dark place for a nine year old kid that he is hard to know sometimes if he's being manipulative about it as well. But I mean, I hate myself. I want to kill myself. I mean, he can, when he's having a hard time, he, he goes into a place that has been challenging for both of us. And my mom was also a therapist. Um, doesn't happen that often, but it happened once at school. Totally freaked his teacher out. She was like, he has some very big, deep, dark emotions kind of throughout the day. But of, well, he's starting to notice them, which I think is cool. Even just starting to be aware of his, because mm -hmm. we're talking about it a lot, his emotional state throughout the day. And, you know, all the things. The conversation is... Um, it's starting. I feel really hopeful for him in that way. 
I'm kind of smiling because there's such a resistance inside to reach for that better thought. You know, it's the same thing like we try to teach couples when they're in a fight, still go give your partner a cup of coffee. And you're like, I don't want to do it. And yeah, I noticed that battle in myself. If I'm not feeling really that great and I'm trying to convince myself to step into something that feels better, it's like, no, I want to stay and suffer. Mm. Isn't it funny? I mean, yeah. it's just, it's human nature. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. And that is part of resilience is, is letting go of this protective emotion of being angry or down on yourself and reaching for something that maybe feels better, but you also have less control over, mm. but is allowing you to have that resilience and that flexibility to open up to something better happening. Mm. But it's funny. We fight ourselves. <laughs> yeah. You give a cop coffee and I maybe put Accidentally right. trip and throw that. <laughs> no, we're not recommending that. <laughs> or laxatives or none of that. Right. Oh, man. A little salt. Just lit up. <laughs> a little salt in the coffee. All right. All right. Well, we want to uh, thank all of you for joining us today on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. Ray and Jean are so cool. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys, thanks, for guys. being on the show today. Yeah, yeah. thanks for and joining us. And for visiting us. us. It's been great. Yeah, joining us like in Colorado. In Colorado is, and on the show. Which is this awesome. This place I'm here is so insane inspiring and beautiful and uh it's really cool to be around people who are just like really in their zone you can feel it you guys are like doing your purpose mm -hmm. and have created a space to live your highest purpose out of it. and even just being here is, is really really cool and the kids are picking up on it too i mean it just you got Thank it going you. on we're so happy to be here <laughs> we're happy to have you guys yeah so for all of you listening Please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Home Study Course, the Couples Weekend, the Couples Relationship Enhancement Weekend, which is coming up in October here in Colorado. Actually, we can probably look out our window. We can see exactly where yep. it's going to be held at. And it, it's beautiful. October 12th to the 15th. Um, contact us at couplesynergy.com contact at couplesynergy.com uh, also our coaching program called Couple to Couple look us up online at couplesynergy.com and if you know someone who could benefit from this episode please download it and share it and thank you for listening until next time synergize your life and synergize your love You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Mm -hmm.